Hello everyone and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schindel. Today we flush the putrid soup of brown shit that is Super Mario Brothers. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we're about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers or want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, come and merge with us, you filthy egg-sucking mammal. So without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. Two Brooklyn plumbers, Mario and Luigi, must travel to another dimension to rescue a princess from the evil dictator King Koopa and stop him from taking over the world. Why? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Why? Why did they make this movie, Paul? <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, you know what? I didn't actually. Uh, I didn't actually get the original date of Super Mario Brothers. When did that game first get released? Oh, uh, like 1983, I think. Yeah, something like that. 1980. Or, like first part 1985, of 1985, dude. Oh, 1985. Okay. okay. So I mean, it was eight years between that and making this movie. So it's not like they didn't have time to think about this script or anything no, like that. I think they had like four or five Super Mario Brother games. I mean, they make yeah. Yoshi in this, so they right. Super Nintendo version and everything. But right. Well, it's not anyway. like they had a lot of material to draw from. <laughs> anyways. I, I'm I'm gonna get to Nintendo's wonderful <laughs> filmography in a second. So, <laughs> anyway, this is a Hollywood Pictures release, and this makes our fourth picture from this now defunct studio. We previously looked at them for the absolute horror shows that are Arachnophobia, Deep Rising, and Resident Evil. Fuck you, Paul W. S. Anderson. By the way. <laughs> Again. This movie was co-produced through Synergy Pictures, Allied Filmmakers, Light Motive, and uncredited through Nintendo, obviously, and Touchwood Pacific Partners 1. That last production oh. company bothers <laughs> me in that when I hear Touchwood, I cannot not uh, have yeah, a perverted yeah, thought. That's anyway. when I, my mind went to. Yeah, immediately. What's the first one? What about the second one? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh. I haven't found a touch <laughs> or Touchwood Pacific Partners too. Anyway, we've spoken about Hollywood Pictures before, but just as a reminder, their best movies include The Sixth Sense, Blood In, Blood Out, and Tombstone. Their worst include an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn, with Coolio and Chuck <laughs> D, which I had no idea existed. Uh. This movie and the utter hard crusted jizz sock of a movie called Gone Fishing with Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Do you remember that fucking movie? No. Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. I'm, I'm glad you don't remember it. Is it anyway in the same vein as Grumpy Old Men 2? Yes. Or yes. Grumpy old men? yes. Okay. Right. Very okay. much so. All right. So, anyway. Synergy we looked at with Deep Rising, and just as a reminder, while they did do the action comedy classic Die Hard with a Vengeance with Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson, they also gave us the absolute skid mark on a fresh pair of underwear called Color of Night with Bruce Willis and Jane Marsh, a.k.a. the movie that Bruce hung dong for, and it was fucking awful. <laughs> 
<laughs> Allied Filmmakers has been involved with some great movies over the years with their Best Picture winners, Dances with Wolves, a.k.a. Avatar Part 1. The excellently performed but white savior movie known as Driving Miss Daisy, despite Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poets Society, and My Left Foot being nominated as well that year. As well as other non-Best Picture winning movies like The Name of the Rose with Zardoz alum Sean Connery. Peter Ware is excellent The Way Back, not to be confused with the great drama from this year with the same title with Ben Affleck directed by Gavin O'Connor. Hope and Glory by Zardoz director John Borman. A River Runs Through It. The Fantastic, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen by the great Terry Gilliam, <laughs> and The Thief and the Cobbler, a.k.a. the movie that Aladdin stole most of its ideas and style from and was delayed because Disney actually sued them, saying that they had stolen their ideas despite their copyrights being first. But I digress. <laughs> Light Motive has only released eight titles over the years, ending in the year 2000 with some movie called Waterproof with Burt Reynolds and Whitman Mayo. No idea what that is. They also produced the rather middling Roland Joffe adaptation of The Scarlet Letter with Gary Oldman and Demi Moore. And the decent <laughs> fat man and little boy about the Manhattan Project <laughs> with Paul Newman. Did you see that, Paul? Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It's pretty. Yeah, I didn't mind it. They uh, mess with some of the timeline of the stuff, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, most of the stuff is real enough. It's fine. Yeah, it's great. yeah, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> while while Nintendo is uncredited on this movie, they have had a hand. They have had a hand in one thousand three hundred and sixty nine titles, including video games what? on IMDb. Oh, okay. As for movies, Nintendo was so horrified by the backlash <laughs> that it received critically and commercially from this movie that they took a 26-year break between making movie titles, <laughs> ret returning in 2019 last year with Detective Pikachu with six underground star Ryan Reynolds, which I still have not seen, by the way. My brother says it's pretty entertaining. Uh -huh. Don't touch my wood. I'm sorry. Touchwood <laughs> Productions has had a hand in 32 movies over the years, including the excellent Blood In, Blood Out, the child Christian Bale movie Newsies, the Bill Murray great What About Bob, and Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, which I love even though I know it's not a good movie by any means. Yeah, it's a fun movie as kids. It's a fun movie, yeah. I still like it, man. It's I like Catherine O'Hara as the cat, and Michael J. Fox as Chance yeah. the dog is just fucking fantastic, man. He's like perfect for that. Yeah. His voice just I works. Mean, it's better than the original incredible yeah. journey so yeah there you true. go there that's you go they, so that's something one one movie that made better on the, the original <laughs> there you go uh they did do the urine soaked mattress known as honey i blew up the kid oh jesus <laughs> fatherhood with patrick swayze the as painful as sitting on my own nutsack movie named Ernest, scared, stupid, <laughs> and of course, the written by a fucking Neanderthal movie called Encino Man. Uh, Ernest, scared, stupid. I went and saw that as like a young kid, and that actually was pretty scary as a kid. <laughs> I haven't seen it since then. Though. Maybe I should uh, revisit it. You, you know, know, I've been meaning to bring up Ernest for a while now. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's. That should be a, a good one for this podcast, I think. <laughs> I don't know. So many. I don't. I must have seen like eight or nine of them. I was part of the problem, to be honest with you, as a child. <laughs> <laughs> 
I look back on them now and I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Like, did I not know what was funny at one point? <laughs> but that's a whole nother thing. Anyway, there are only four dumbasses to blame this week for this. The mushrooms have turned, man. Bad trip <laughs> of a shit pile. The first is Fred Caruso. Fred has produced 39 titles over the years, one of his first being Sidley Lumet's masterpiece movie called Network. He would go on to do the excellent Blowout with Travolta, Casualties of War, Blue Velvet, and Dress to Kill. I bring him up mostly because this guy's film career began as a production manager who worked on Midnight Cowboy and The Fucking Godfather. But he chose to do this movie. He chose to produce this, Paul. <laughs> Anyway, since, <laughs> uh, since 1993 and Mario Brothers, he has had a bunch of shit that I've never heard of, so that's something. Maybe his career was destroyed after this movie. I don't uh, know. Hopefully. <laughs> okay, so, Paul, this is the next credit that I found really strange is somehow Roland Joffe got mixed up in producing this movie, right? If you don't know him by name, he directed a little movie called The Mission with Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons, which is excellent, as well as the masterpiece that genuinely fucked me up, the movie called The Killing Fields, which I'm sure you've yeah. seen, Paul. Yeah. That guy who directed those <laughs> movies produced this. Somehow did this. Huh. Yeah. I don't know what drew him to this, but maybe it was money. So I'm just saying. <laughs> that seems to be a common theme with this movie here. Yeah. The last guy I want to talk about is Brad Weston, okay? Weston produced the sobering, although problematic, Holocaust drama called The Gray Zone, which is hampered by both Germans and Jewish people speaking English and pretending that they can't understand each other. It's an otherwise excellent mm. movie and underwatched uh, by director and actor Tim Blake Nelson and features a stirring performance by Harvey Keitel. But I digress. That's a whole nother thing. I don't want to go down Holocaust movies right now because, uh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, maybe that's a good good subject for this uh this podcast <laughs> yeah. let's pick the worst holocaust movie do that oh my god there is one movie that's the worst holocaust movie i've ever seen in my life but i i do uh, not want to bring i no i don't want to bring it up i don't i don't even want to talk about it so anyway right. weston also produced the hilarious bad santa with billy bob thornton which i did not watch on christmas this year unfortunately mm. that's one that i always try to get around to yeah, but th this year this year my wife and i were supposed to sit down and watch the second lord of the rings movie because we watched the first one on christmas eve and yeah. uh we ended up watching soul on disney plus which is fucking excellent dude like yeah. one of the best things that pixar has made it's fucking oh, fantastic right, and i right. could not stop they laughing just, did you just put that out yeah they literally put it out on oh, christmas okay. day on disney right. plus nice. but dude check it out check it's out. fucking yeah. brilliant man it's All so right. fucking brilliant anyway uh he also produced the excellent road crime movie queen and slim with his with the always excellent Daniel Kaluuya and was one of my very favorite movies from last year. But he also produced the terrible My Boss's Daughter with the animated shit stain known as Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> the, the awful movie Cursed by Wes Craven, the Footloose remake, and Runner Runner. They remade that? Yeah, I fucking told you this last time, dude. We talked about it. Sorry, I put it out of my mind. It's yeah. too much. It's, it's terrible. I can't, it's terrible. I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's terrible. Just don't watch it. <laughs> but he also produced Runner Runner with Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake, which is just unfucking intelligible. Like I don't I don't know what the hell happened in that movie. And the reason it's bad isn't like this, you know, like where it's like, oh my god, or like cats. It's just so fucking unintelligible what's happening. You're just like it's a bunch of images with Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck in it and some action scenes that don't make sense and then it's over and you're just like uh what uh <laughs> did uh was there a script in there I'm not sure but anyway this movie stars Bob Hoskins John Leganzamo, two for two John sorry bud but this and the happening were unavoidable <laughs> The great Dennis Hopper and Samantha Mathis. Oh, and Lance Hendrickson for some fucking reason, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, Bob, Bob Hoskins is an excellent actor, flat out, and it's fucking yeah. painful to see him in this movie. <laughs> he, was in, he was in Alan Parker's fucked up but amazing Pink Floyd The Wall, Terry Gilliam's brilliant masterpiece Brazil, the classic Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Enemy at the Gates, the timeless classic The Long Good Friday, Mona Lisa by director Neil Jordan, Nixon with Anthony Hopkins, Mrs. Henderson Presents, Unleashed, a.k.a. Danny the Dog, and Jet Li's best movie, by the way, and The Cotton. <laughs> And the Cotton Club. Yeah. But he also lended his tremendous talent to Son of the Mask, a.k.a. the 10th worst movie of all time on IMDb. <laughs> Live Virgin, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, Made oh, in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> to skip past that. But, but Made in Manhattan with Sheely star J-Lo. Mm -hmm. The emotionally religious porno flick called Michael with John Travolta shitting all over the celluloid <laughs> before it ran through the camera. And the... <laughs> Dude... Do you remember that fucking terrible uh, movie? I just remember he was overweight. Oh my god. That's about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was an angel or some shit. Yeah, that's exactly okay. it. Yeah, yeah. You didn't miss much if you don't remember yeah. anything else. There's Thank the, God you blocked it out. <laughs> the fat Michael or yeah. John Travolta, yeah. Travolta <laughs> playing an angel. And he like uh, shits on the toilet. I think that's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just staring at his asshole for two hours. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Bob Hoskins also starred, or co-starred anyway, in the awful NC-17 rated porn extravaganza called Inserts with Richard Dreyfuss, a.k.a. the movie where Jessica Harper and Veronica Cartwright are nude for most of the movie, if that's of interest. Anyway, so... <laughs> John John Leganzelma we went over before with the happening, but just a reminder, this man is brilliant in Carlito's Way, Moulin Rouge, and the heartbreaking TV show for Netflix called When They See Us. Don't judge him by movies like this, The Happening and The Pest. He is a good actor, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. Anyway, the absolute legend Dennis Hopper stars as King Koopa. While this <laughs> while this man was insane, he admitted to being thrown into a form of schizophrenia after doing too much acid while filming Apocalypse Now, and he was nominated for two Oscars for Hoosers and Easy Rider. The man has made too many questionable decisions for them to be entirely attributed to drug psychosis. <laughs> so I want to remind everyone this man was in Apocalypse Now and he is 
excellent in that movie, as well as Cool Hand Luke, True Romance, Blue Velvet, which his role permanently scarred me, (laughs) Rebel Without a Cause, the original True Grit, his directorial masterpiece known as Easy Rider, Speed, which he has the best line in, which is, oh, in 200 years we've gone from I regret but I have one life to give for my country to fuck you. It's (laughs) one of the best fucking lines. Uh, But anyway, he was also in Rumblefish, River's Edge, the Indian runner, Red Rock West with Left Behind alum Nicolas Cage, Basquiat with the always brilliant Jeffrey Wright, and Jesus' son. His questionable choices are far more numerous, though. The Core <laughs> Four, Ticker, in Wait, America. The core four. No, no, no. It's not it's not a <laughs> sequel. It's just called The Core Four. He was in Ticker. <laughs> he was in Ticker with Tom Sizemore, an American Carol. Meet the Deedles, The Apostate, Boiling Point with Wesley Snipes, Alpha and Omega, Space Truckers, which I hadn't heard of, but it was too good to pass up. <laughs> Texas. No, dude. It's got a great scene. Oh yeah. my god, you've seen that? I've seen it. It's got a great scene with an android and he like starts his penis like a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> It's like this high-powered vibrating penis. So, yeah, just wow. for that scene alone, it's worth the price of admission right there. Wait, did you see that because it was a Dennis Hopper movie and then you came out watching it? I think it? so. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw it because it was Dennis Hopper. Random, and, I don't know. And afterward, what did you feel about Dennis Hopper after you saw it? I was akin to a lot of his other like weird, shitty movies, but mm. it was entertaining yeah. enough to make it not a terrible, <laughs> horrible movie. I mean, it's a bad movie for sure, but it's, it's entertaining. I'll call it, yeah. I can't believe that you've seen that. I, I wandered across yeah. it, and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck this is. <laughs> anyway. He was also in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Knockaround Guys, Waterworld, Fuck You Paul, I Don't Want to Hear It, Land, <laughs> Land of the Dead, which he can't seem to learn how to aim in that movie, and Tenth and Wolf, amongst dozens of others, yeah. are all a bit much for me to give this man a pass. Yeah, Lastly, his, uh, sorry, his no, son saw this uh, Super Mario Bros. movie and right, right, right. asked his father, why did you do this movie, Dad? And he responded, because I needed to get you shoes. And the kid's like, I didn't need shoes that bad. Shoes that bad, yeah. <laughs> oh, good, dude. Such a good line from his son. <sighs> anyway, lastly yeah. for the actors is Samantha Mathis. She's excellent, if a bit subdued, as a pillhead in American Psycho, where she sits around constantly saying, are we a Dorcia? I don't know if you remember her. <laughs> That's right, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was also in Little Women with Speed Racer alum Susan Sarandon, Pump Up the Volume, Buried with Six Underground alum Ryan Reynolds, The American President, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, aka Avatar Part Two, and of course, <laughs> Broken Arrow. She's Oh, Broken Arrow. <laughs> <fuck her. laughs> such a good movie dude it's so bad but it's so good (laughs) she's awful in atlas shrugged 2 which i saw despite not seeing the first don't ask me why i watched (laughs) atlas 2 anyway she was also in the punisher with thomas jane and order of chaos a thriller so lackluster i fell asleep twice and gave up watching it this movie was written by parker bennett terry runty and I think that's how you say his last name, and Ed Solomon that we know of. 
I say that we know of in that so many people from the studio level to script hacks had a hand in rewriting this movie <laughs> on literally a daily basis that it's impossible to credit all of them. Parker Bennett only wrote this movie, Mystery Date with Ethan Hawke, and an additional story element of The Thief and the Cobbler. He did, however, provide website design for a movie called Ed Gein, if that's worth anything. All right. Real, real quick, I just want to talk about Ed Gein for a second, okay? he's This is going to sound really fucked up, but I'm just going to say it. He's my favorite serial killer, okay? Like, in all of history... <laughs> Because, like, his his story, when I read his story, his autobiography, or not his autobiography, but his uh, biography called In the Light of the Moon, that book fucked me up. And it was really hard <laughs> for me to read it because it's just, it's so disturbing what he did and how he did it. And he was doing it in the fucking 50s, man. And if you don't know who Ed yeah. Gein is, he was in Plainview, Wisconsin. He was killing folks. Well, he wasn't killing folks, but he did kill two people. But he was digging up bodies in the local graveyard and making furniture out of them in his house, like skin lamps and fucking couches out of their bones and shit. And he is the basis of basically <laughs> every fucking serial killer in Hollywood movies ever, from yeah. Buffalo Bill to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he is the serial killer that they base that shit on. And it's really important yeah. to note that because the movie Ed Gein is a decent adaptation in terms of the axe and his furniture that he was making, but otherwise it's a completely lackluster movie. And I'm like, mm. Ed Gein's story was so interesting and fascinating on how he ended up getting caught that it would make a really good movie if somebody would actually put in the fucking effort to make a movie about him. But Ed Gein, the movie was just kind of this like, $1.5 million movie that they were making at around the early 2000s when they made this string of fucking biographical yeah. serial killer movies. And uh, that one was one of the like less great ones. The movie Dahmer, though, with, uh, with Jeremy Renner is good shit, even though it's not yeah. a particularly great movie. It's a great performance by Jeremy, mm. and that's what kind of like keyed me off to him as being an actor. And then, of course, he became Hawkeye, and everybody fucking knew him after that, <laughs> but besides the point. Yeah, anyway... Well, I mean Dahmer's special to the uh, Seattle area because that's where he got his start here. So really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Ducting not know girls that. From uh, University of Washington, stuff like that. Yeah, I did not Seattle know seems that. To, uh, breed a lot of serial killers, like mm. most prolific, I think. Yeah, I mean, we there's got, a we got Dahmer. We got the the Green River Killer. Right, you know, right. I don't know who else, but. You you had the I five killer going up and down from Southern California. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> what does New York got? You got nothing. New York. <laughs> who did New York have that was a really? Bad, I know I'm missing somebody in there. Yeah. Like the son of Sam, but oh, son of Sam, right? I mean, you're right about that for sure. But I mean. New York's had some interesting, I think it's just that New York has like fucked up murder stories all the time that like if you focus <laughs> yeah, on serial killers. Yeah, but it's not I, shocking when it happens in New York. Yeah, just like, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. just a, they found a chopped up girl in the river. So what? <laughs> <laughs> I always joke with Caitlin about her being from Milwaukee because Wisconsin in general has had an inordinate amount of serial killers come out of Wisconsin. And it's yeah. like shocking. Mm. And I don't know if it's just because it's frozen nine months out of the year and what else are you going to do but yeah, chop up yeah. people? But <laughs> besides the fact, 
Anyway, Terry Runty died the year after Super Mario Brothers was made, but also had a hand in Mystery Date and The Thief and the Cobbler. That's it. Ed Solomon continues to work to this day, but his career is rather bizarre in that his next script after Super Mario Brothers was Men in Black. He also wrote the classic Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, as well as its two sequels, the awful Charlie's Angels remake with Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and Cameron Diaz, and Now You See Me 1 and 2, and currently he is in production on part three, which I could not give a shit about less. <laughs> he also wrote Steven Soderbergh's Choose Your Own Adventure TV series called Mosaic. I experienced this TV show before it was edited into an actual narrative for HBO when they launched it on a Mosaic app. I don't know if you remember that, Paul, or if I told mm. you about that, but it was kind of interesting. He, like, he put it together in an app, and you would download it from the app store, and like the whole series would play using the app, and it was just like uh, whatever the fuck the Netflix Choose Your Own Adventure is, but it would like pop yeah. up at certain points and you could choose what the character did rather than breaking the fourth wall it was literally a choose your own adventure and it was yeah, really weird yeah. but it was a really interesting idea but the script was lackluster at best but you know that's that yeah. anyway this erectile dysfunction of a movie was directed by annabelle jenkel and rocky morton they were married during the making of this movie but have since divorced I'd like to think this movie was so terrible it destroyed their marriage, but that's just me. <laughs> Annabelle, according to her IMDb, took 16 years to get her next job directing after Super Mario Brothers with Live from Abbey Road, which is some documentary show about recording at Abbey Road. She also did some CG shit show family film with Tim Roth called Skellig, the Owl Man, which looks fucking awful if you get a chance <laughs> to check out that trailer. And... and and tell it to the bees a drama romance with anna paquin where she gets naked again that's it anyway so rocky rocky did this movie and some music videos that's pretty much it that's rocky's career was this movie and some music videos he and also directed the, uh, the weird hang on hang on hang on, hang on. Uh... He, he also directed doa with dennis quaid with his wife as well and max headroom with his wife as well as well as the tv max show but headroom, given yeah. that i haven't seen any of those i really don't give a shit to see him either. anyway <laughs> This, for all intents and purposes, for this podcast, was his only movie, and that's probably for good reason. <laughs> Lance Henriksen, I'm not even going to go into because he is only in one shot of one scene in this movie with one line. So he is more of a cameo than anything, and I'm not going to besmirch him by talking more about <laughs> his divisive career. Super Mario Brothers was released on May 28, 1993 in 2081 theaters and was made for $48 million. If adjusted yeah, yeah. for inflation, if adjusted for inflation, that's an $87 million price tag in 2020, which isn't awful but at the same time if you heard that they were making a 90 million dollar super mario brothers movie what would you say paul be like oh it's a little too much for my blood here <laughs> anyway this movie opened at the number four spot at the box office with an 8.5 million dollar weekend above it was the comedy dave with kevin klein playing the president's stand-in in the number three spot in its third week the Whoopi goldberg ted danson comedy made in america in the number two spot in its first week and topping the box office memorial day weekend with its 20.458 million dollar gross 
was the Sylvester Stallone action classic cliffhanger in its <laughs> first week. <laughs> Below Mario in the number five spot was the Charlie Sheen comedy Hot Shots Part Doe in its first week of release, which I did not know the Hot Shots Part Doe opened at number five. I That movie is like... I think it's Deer. Deer, yeah. Anyway, I... <laughs> I thought that that movie, it's got such a cult following now that I yeah. thought back then it would have had some sort of a, you know, cult following as well, but I guess not. It opened no, up. No, movie's badass. You know, the weirdest thing, the most surreal thing ever is watching Hot Shots Part Do and then switching to CNN and seeing America invade Iraq in like 2003. <laughs> that, could, that's I some weird that. shit. Yeah. I could see yeah. that. That's pretty wild. (laughs) Also out this time was the excellent Hughes Brothers movie Menace to Society, Indecent Proposal, Best Picture winner Unforgiven, the comedy classic Groundhog Day, Al Pacino's Oscar winner Scent of a Woman, and the box office smash called A Few Good Men with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. This opening makes Super Mario Brothers the 143rd opening movie of the Memorial Day weekend. Above it is Olivia Wilde's excellent and hilarious directorial debut from 2019 called Booksmart. Seriously, people, see this movie if you have not. And below it was the 2012 Cats star Dame Judi Dench vehicle called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Super Mario Brothers would go on to be only released domestically without a worldwide opening and staying <laughs> in theaters for 218 days. Mario would go on to generate a desperate need of Viagra gross of only $20.9 million. <laughs> that means with advertising costs, this movie endured a massive $52 million loss for Hollywood pictures at all. This gross makes Mario the 4,905th four overall all-time worldwide box office holder behind 1966 James Garner Ava Marie Saint racing film directed by Island of Dr. Moreau alum John Frankenheimer movie called Grand Prix and ahead of the 1997 marathon of a movie by Kevin Costner called The Postman which is one of the all-time worst movies ever made. As there is no international release of this movie, unfortunately, I do not have international figures or knowledge of where any of our partial people are this week. Apologies for my absolute failure, but at least my failure isn't as disappointing as this fucking train wreck of a movie. (laughs) Super Mario Brothers has a terrible 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which I really thought was going to be lower, but 4.1 out of 10 is still pretty bad. With 48,482 votes, it joins Deep Rising and Mulan 2 for not even being on Metacritic, and has a splatty 24% on RottenTomatoes.com with a 29% audience score. That means that Super Mario Brothers shares the same critical acclaim that the island of Dr. Moreau had from episode 29, so (laughs) not great company. Uh, I'd venture to say, though, that these movies are neck and neck for me for which one is more awful, but I have to say Mario, I think, tops Moreau for me on which one is worse. (laughs) Paul, who does this movie rank highest amongst you, then? Men under 18. No, you're going to flip out about these stats, dude. This movie ranks yeah. highest amongst females aged less than 18 with a 6.5 out of 10. What? And, oh, it's the and... John Linguizamo <laughs> shirtless scene. That's why. Maybe. But 
It ranks lowest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 2.9 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Could not have called that. Seems like it's reversed here. But this week, my kid brother must have spilled Kool-Aid in my SNES as they try to blow out my game cartridge thinking about how 4,097 people or 8.5% of the vote, voted this movie as a perfect fucking 10 best movie ever made on IMDb. My rating, 1 out of 10 stars, along with 13.3% or 6,440 other people. Before I get to my favorite reviews this week, I need to call out two critics. My first is Mark Caro of the Chicago Tribune. Mark gave this movie two out of four stars and cheat codes his way to, quote, like their video game counterparts, co-stars Bob Hoskins and John Leganzamo somehow managed to weave their way past threatening obstacles and escape with their dignity, end quote. I disagree, sir. <laughs> These two men's <laughs> dignity... <laughs> These two men's dignity resembles the insides of a sink trap in the bathroom of four bachelors. Absolutely disgusting and putrefying in the dark. My second critic I need to yell at is Hal Hinson for the Washington Post. Hal double jumps his way to, quote, This movie, which was directed by music video whiz kids Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel, is sweet and funny and full of bright invention. In short, it's a blast. End quote. Original score, three out of four stars. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hal, what the fuck are you talking about? This movie is like choking down razor blades coated with salt. A totally unpleasant experience that will leave you hemorrhaging and your insides filleted and hanging out. (laughs) Anyway, my favorite reviews this week begin with Tim Brayton of Antagony and Ecstasy. Tim button smashes with, quote, as the ad campaign helpfully pointed out, this ain't no game. It's a live action thrill ride. Half true. It is surely not a game, for it is typically held that games are pleasurable. End quote. Original score, (laughs) two out of ten stars. Frank Ochiang of Movie Eye presses the coin return with, quote, Super Mario Brothers is about as playful and challenging as an unplugged pinball machine. End quote. Original (laughs) score, one out of five stars. Lastly, Kim Newman of Empire Magazine channels his inner Bill Paxton with simply, Game over, man! Game over! (laughs) Original score, two out of five stars. Lastly, Super Mario Brothers is rated PG for sci-fi action, mild language, and sensuality. I don't remember the sensuality in this movie. Do you? Some strippers. There was some people dancing, <laughs> wearing like tight. They were literal strippers. I know they, they were literal strippers. strippers. <laughs> I know they did. <laughs> so, Paul, I want I want to talk about Milton Bradley and the dangers oh. of showboating. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong before I continue. Milton Bradley is the name of a kid's toy company as well, right? Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, this six-foot-tall, 215-pound righty from Harrow City, California, that bats ambidextrously is about to realize he has two problems. It's June 12th, 2009, as Bradley and his Chicago Cubs face off against the Minnesota Twins. It's a sunny afternoon as 41,509 fans, that's 99.67% full, by the way, 
look on in Ringley Field in the deep dish capital of the world that is Chicago, Illinois. It is the top of the eighth with two runners on base as Minnesota leads the Cubbies 5-3. Minnesota hitter Brendan Harris pops a high ball into the outfield directly into the glove of Milton Bradley. Bradley looks around at the stands confident in his skill. He sunk this Minnesotan in the most stylish way possible. It's as if there's a magnet in his glove that drew the ball to him. Bradley is so caught up showboating for the crowd how fucking slick he is, he tosses the ball away to the crowd as if to discard it like an apple core. Completely useless. Someone else can clearly use it and tell their fucking grandchildren at the awesome ability of this seeming god-like outfielder <laughs> to just will the ball into his glove. <laughs> he fucking tosses it away like the used condom from prom night. This is where Bradley's second problem surfaces, Paul, and it highlights the importance of schooling in childhood education. You see, Paul, Bradley didn't count what strike this was. He threw the fucking second strike into the stands. Not the third, the second. He just fucking chucked it into the stands like it was no big deal. Given that the Cubs were already down two in the eighth and finished in a <laughs> loss of seven to four, it's debatable if Bradley's fuck up contributed to their loss. But it's not debatable that a team pushed into a corner on home turf and down by two in the eighth shouldn't be concentrating on showboating like Bradley did. As the Bible says, Paul, pride comes before the fall. And Bradley's hubris got the best of him that day and every day. But that's another subject for another time period. We flash back in time, Paul, as you stand on the mound, determined to strike this motherfucker out. Just then, Paul, you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me. All right, you know, with all the kids are playing these days, the kiddios, they're What's playing that? they're playing home entertainment video games. I have no idea what that is, but Yeah, they they're, they're these things you uh, you attach it to your television <laughs> and you put it in a game cartridge and it puts uh, puts digital images on your screen, right? What, like porno? Uh, well, you know, I don't think anyone's ever tried that before. <laughs> we uh, start our own company. Uh, we'll call it, uh, we'll call it Wood, uh, Wood Touch Entertainment or whatever. <laughs> touch Wood. Touch Wood. Touch Wood Partners. <laughs> touch Wood Partners, yeah. Uh, but the kids, they're playing this one called The Super Mario Brothers. Okay. It's about these Italian stereotypes who eat nice. pasta. And they're nice. plumbers, right? Right. Nice. Yeah. They uh, they plunger uh, little turtle guys and mushrooms huh. with fireball shit. Okay. Okay. So we're going to turn that into a movie because the kids love it. But uh, I think we're going to do a little more adult themes with this movie. We're going to kind of make it a cyberpunk Blade Runner-esque <laughs> type movie. But at the nice. same time, it's going to have family-friendly like uh cartoon violence and uh you okay. know scooby-doo kind of characters so i i think we can i think we can merge these two kind of completely dichotomous <laughs> concepts into one movie that will make us richer than donald trump here nice. which he will also be a character in the movie you know yeah in cooper wait donald trump is broke though he's always been broke <laughs> We're gonna make money somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna make this terrible, terrible, awful movie, and 
declare bankruptcy and hide <laughs> all of our assets overseas. And uh, yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, I love it. That's exactly yeah. why Donald Trump is a businessman. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to ask you to break down your thoughts about this. How do you feel about this movie? And then at the end of your feeling, oh give me your rating out of 10 stars. Wait, did you right. had you seen this movie when you were a child? Uh, I don't know if I saw it as a young child, like when it you know came out. But right. uh, at some point, I saw it. Thought it was terrible. Hated it. <laughs> Probably jaded me forever on video game movies in general. <laughs> but uh, which there's still not been a good one. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, watching it now. I, I think I'll say a few positive things about it in that the set design and the props and the costumes and the makeup, I mean, they're pretty off the walls, bonkers, crazy, sure. Sure. just kind of fun. And then there's the plot and the <laughs> characters <laughs> and uh, none of that shit makes any sense. You know, they designed it around like a totally different script and like that script yeah. had that hard edge and shit and then the studio <laughs> came in and so like that's part of the reason why this movie has such a huge disconnect is that the script that they shot and performed was not reflective of the production design like whatsoever yeah. and so it just like clashes constantly throughout this movie. <laughs> but anyway... Continue on yeah. your thoughts, Paul. So immediately, I hate to uh, like comic relief characters, whatever the henchmen, because of the script or the score. It's that right. stupid '90s fucking goofy score that pisses me off. So <laughs> one so star what, for that. There what you would you? What would you give? <laughs> Is this a one star simply because of that? It just drives you that nuts, or what did? How do you feel about this? No, I mean, the whole third act, I started zoning out because it just <laughs> made no... I stopped caring at some point. Well, no, I never cared. You but never cared. Uh, I don't know, like John Leguizamo and what's her name plays Daisy. Samantha Mathis. I don't know. I feel like they have some chemistry together, especially in those first scenes, mm -hmm. which kind of is charming somehow <laughs> i don't know okay. but then as the movie drags on you're just like god damn just get it over with it's bullshit who gives a fuck yeah, who gives a fuck yeah. yeah it overstays its welcome even at an and, hour and 40 yeah. minutes or whatever the fuck i mean the, the whole plot is i mean how do you how do you it's it's pretty amazing that they actually managed to come up with any plot based yeah. on the video game yeah because if you think about the video game it's just there's there's a dude and you go like jump on his thing and he falls into <laughs> lava and that's the end <laughs> and there's there's no plot outside of that right you know except that bowser wants to rape whatever princess oh, is around yeah, and yeah. yeah he kidnaps princesses so they, i mean they managed to like bring in all these little nods to the game and everything yeah. but uh there's no the plot to the game to begin with. So, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing <laughs> that they managed to come up with something, but it's not coherent. <laughs> so uh, one out of ten stars is your rating as well, correct? No, for the production design and the inventiveness of all of that, I'd give it three stars. Three stars. All right, <laughs> yeah. so... 
stack this up to me with other movies because there's a lot of noise around this movie obviously for years that it's one of the worst movies ever made so stack this up for me when it comes to like cats or Gigli or something that's really detestably horrible yeah i mean cats is the stuff of nightmares this is not <laughs> that and, and i mean yeah Gigli is just downright offensive which this isn't <laughs> this is kind of harmless entertainment kind of fun. There but... is some offensive shit in this movie. Oh, oh, all right, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But uh, uh, okay, yeah, it, it, it's it's not as detestable, but yeah, you can tell that the directors lost control early <laughs> on, and everyone just hated being in this movie. Yeah. But, they would got you, paid, so they don't get yeah. fucked. <laughs> would you uh, would you say would you say that this is one of the worst movies ever made? Or uh, it's pretty goddamn terrible, man. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just it's got a little bit of something something going on for it that doesn't <laughs> that precludes it from being in the worst movies ever made. Okay, like. I don't know. It's there's a lot of inventiveness in all of the weird shit that they come up with that mm-hmm. you know, it, it gives it something to hang on to. <laughs> I mean it's weird as shit. <laughs> and yeah, it, it took some balls to try to make this and and so I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it the execution just failed miserably yeah, and it yeah. yeah, they they fucked up real. Real hard. They did. Real hard. They did. But it, it's probably it's not even their fault. It the fucking producers, the the, studio. the film, the studio, like the right. I mean, it's not the director's fault. They they got cut out. I mean, I don't think they were even there for like the last three or four <laughs> weeks of shooting because they just got kicked out. And, yeah. The producer so. took over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So straight off the bat, Paul. <laughs> straight off the bat, I don't know. I don't know if this movie. I I tried to look around a little bit about this, but like the version that you and I saw, both had the Pathé or the Pathé logo before it, mm-hmm. and that's a French distribution company. So I didn't. Right. I didn't see anything about Pathé like uh, releasing this movie. But anyway, every time I see their logo, all I can think of is high tension. <laughs> and all I can think of is how fucked up that movie is and all the horrifying images yeah. that came after that logo. And then I'm greeted with this. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, I wish I was watching High Tension right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, doing that whole, like, I, I don't understand the opening sequence because it's, like, animated. Like, it's supposed to be a video game, but it's not an 8-bit video game, which is what Super Mario Brothers was. It's sort of like 8-bit, like graphics but not really but it's it's like 8-bit history and an italian stereotype doing voiceover <laughs> to a meteor that oh looks yeah like i shit. forgot i'm so like desensitized to italian stereotypes that i forgot right. that that's probably offensive they're too. all over the shit yeah. <laughs> but the meteor looks like shit in the opening and it looks even or the the 3d cgi when they zoom through until they lead up to the world looks even worse but regardless but i never got the logo of this movie dude like it looks like steel was that the actual logo off the nes game i don't remember like it looks like some sort of steel i think so it's like i think it's got rivets and shit 
yeah it's more brassy or that's what i'm saying i think it's like rusted the original logo is rusted this is like chrome steel all shiny and shit and i'm like what the fuck dude bob hoskins and samantha (laughs) mathis like jesus christ the paychecks must have been short in the early 90s in order for them to sign up for something like this but is every i understand that bob hoskins had never even heard of the game yeah this game until he signed on and then his son was like oh my god you're in the mario brothers movie that's awesome i thought that was weird yeah but weird how do you how do you not know of super mario brothers before i before I continue, Paul, I wanna I wanna bring up that I just read a recent interview with the creator of Mario Brothers, who I can't I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce his name because I don't remember it right now. But he said that despite COVID, they are on track to release a new Super Mario Brothers movie in twenty twenty two. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I saw no, I saw that on IMDB that it was in development. Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, they'll just it'll be there in development purgatory forever. Apparently, uh, it's on track for a twenty twenty two release. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> they just don't give no fuck. <laughs> From what I understand, the the Pikachu movie or whatever the shit it was right. was like reasonably decent and successful. So they're just gonna jump into it. Yeah, three years after the fact. <sighs> yeah. With Mario Brothers, when everybody remembers this movie still is like a bad memory. <laughs> but dude, is every movie obliged to have a rainy scene where somebody abandons their child? Like every fucking movie that has an abandoning child moment. Couldn't it just be a sunny day and they're dropping their kid off at the front of the church on a sunny day? But you know, oh, man. You know, one thing that I was surprised of in the opening credits is that Alan Silvestri did the score for this movie, okay? The next year, he would be nominated for his first Oscar for a movie that couldn't be any more different than this, Forrest Gump. (laughs) Now, also, Tom Hanks was slated to play Luigi. Yeah, Yeah, but it was after Joe versus the Volcano and uh, the Money Pit, which both lost money like a motherfucker. That the studio didn't view him <laughs> profitable and he ended up ditching or not getting picked for this movie. Yeah. Which is kind of a good thing because this would be uh, yeah, the yeah. largest black mark that I've ever seen on a <laughs> fucking star-studded career like Tom Hanks. Yeah. And then he did Philadelphia, got an yeah. Oscar for that. He and then did. he did Forrest Gump the year got after. Another, yep. Got another Oscar. So back to if back, he had done this movie, his, our whole fucking like, cultural lexicon would be different. Yeah, so, I don't think that he would have been able to God. move on to Forrest Gump if he had <laughs> no. done this movie or anything else that he's done, for Christ's yeah, sake. No. You know? He would have he been would've... shut out. Yeah, his yeah. career would have been over. I mean, three losers in a row. Yeah, I would have been Especially a man. big, big loser like this <laughs> fucking trash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, dude, these nuns watch the dino egg hatch and a baby girl is seen writhing around, right? But they don't... Yeah. But they don't think that this is concerning or weird in any way. Yeah. I know the trope is that nuns take kids in, but legally, I this I don't know if you're gonna know the answer to this question, but spitball with me for a second. But uh-huh, legally, uh-huh. don't they have to call the cops like to do the paperwork and like for them to make sure that they have a social security yeah, like, number that or would find be out? A thing, yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't, don't know. know. But, but all right. I feel like the She's authorities have to be, to be Princess Toadstool and her father 
is a fungus, so she shouldn't be an egg. She should be a spore. This movie well, is bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> but, dude, immediately after that, immediately after that, we get a nut shot scene, right? Like, a guy gets hit in the nuts, and it's like, oh, we all know that oh, nuts are only I in don't, the... I don't remember that. John Leganzamo gets his boots thrown in his lap by Bob Hoskins oh, right yeah, in the nuts. Okay, okay. And we all know that nut shots are only in the best movies. <laughs> but side note, Oscar winner Dean Semler shot this movie, okay? He won for a little movie called Dances with Wolves three years before this, and his agent set him up with this movie. Time to fire your agent, Dean. I really <laughs> hope that he fired his agent. He also shot Waterworld. So there's that. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's uh, looking at it, the movie doesn't look terrible. No. Most of it. And, uh, you know, I, I can't complain about the cinematography too much. <laughs> yeah, neither can I. <laughs> but it is it is a really, really awful project to set you up with after you shot a yeah. Best Picture winner. You know what I mean? So the brothers get a call, Paul, in order to go fix a dishwasher at some restaurant, right? It rings yeah. at their house that they have this call. But they say as they arrive that the Scapelli brothers beat them to the job. So... Are plumbers like cops? Like a call goes out and whoever the first gets there gets the job? I mean, there isn't when, like I, some... when I have a problem, I call one plumber. And one and... plumber shows up. The guy that you called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of calling all the plumbers. At the same waiting time. Waiting for the first one to come. I mean, if it's an emergency, I guess you want the, the plumber that gets there the fastest. So you could right. just be an asshole and call, call all of them, six of them. And, <laughs> and wait for the first one and then tell the others to go fuck themselves. So that is true. Yeah. But Paul, right away we have Italian gangster stereotypes like gangster <laughs> thug threatening an archeologist. Then I fucking her with his orange tan and his pomade hair who looks a lot like Trump, by the way. But besides the fact, <laughs> There are a lot of, lot of, uh, I feel like references to Trump in this movie, and <laughs> hard to ignore, honestly. Hard to ignore, yeah. <laughs> but okay, so you live in New York. Are there these like weirdo, like gangster types there? I mean, I mean, it's this is like thirty years after the fact, but I don't know. Yes. I want to know for real. Yes. You know? Is it? Is it? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So the stereotype everyone, is based everyone, on reality in yes. some fashion. Okay. Everyone from Long Island or New Jersey who is Italian <laughs> is like this. <laughs> but <laughs> the costume designer, Paul, the costume designer on this movie is currently the costume designer on The Mandalorian. So I can't wait hmm. until the fanny pack pops up on The Mandalorian. <laughs> But anyway, the the two goons for King Koopa run into a giant piece of plate glass crossing the sidewalk, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because all of a sudden this movie turns into a fucking cartoon. Like, what's next? The classic cliff gag where you run off a cliff and they, like, don't look down? <laughs> That's just what I'm expecting. Yeah. God, I hate their characters in this movie. I do, too. I, I hate, hate them so goddamn much. I hate them so goddamn much. Yeah. I mean, I but, guess you're supposed to hate them. And somehow it's supposed to be funny, but mm -hmm. none of it is. Make them go just delete all the scenes with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, dude, they, they pull over to the side of the road because their van is overheating. And, like, he meets Daisy's character trying to use the phone. But they offer her a ride, right? Like, in the van. And I'm like, two guys <laughs> looking like this and offering a van ride to a pretty young woman. I love, I love the... 
the exchange between Leighton Zamo and uh, what's her name? What's her name again? Samantha Mathis. Uh, Samantha. Like, all the while, Bob Hoskins in the background has this, like, creepy-ass smile going on. He's like, yeah, get in the van. Yeah. Get in the van with yep. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a woman in Brooklyn at that time in 93, uh-huh. this is not a safe bet for her. Yeah. To no, you do guys. not. Never get in the van. This Don't is how women ended up in peace, in pieces in the East River back then. Like for real, this is exactly yeah. how these stories began. All the while, there's they have all the the establishing things that a bunch of women have disappeared in Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. And I she's know. gonna trust these fuckers. I know with their fucking creeper van. It's just John Leganzamo's crooked smile that does it for her, man, and like his weird like <laughs> side smile that he does. But... <laughs> Dude. Luigi complains to or complains how his brother makes fun of him as they drive away from dropping Daisy off, right? And he says, "Why'd you tell her that I suck my thumb, then, huh?" But when did he say that? It's uh, not in the yeah, movie. I don't remember. I've been here the whole goddamn time watching this movie, and he didn't say that. Like, why so, is this line in the movie? Is it's established that they're actual real brothers, right? In but the they movie. look nothing alike. <laughs> I mean, one is Puerto Rican, the other is. Fat, Irish white Italian. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. He's Irish. He's Irish. All right. Cool. <laughs> Brothers it's from the, it's, mothers. Or it's some the shit. magic right. of movie making, bro. <laughs> just let it go. But dude, Daisy reveals that the that the archaeological dig was for a meteorite that may have wiped out all the dinosaurs, right? But there is no impact crater in New York, and it's been widely regarded that the dinosaur-ending meteor fell in the Yucatan Peninsula area near Mexico, but that doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm just a guy who went to school and <laughs> fucking heard about this shit and remembered it. But, okay, you know, whatever. Okay. It it's, there are two separate dimensions here because <laughs> of the meteor strike, all right? And so maybe the meteor that they're investigating is actually bleeding over from the second dimension, but in <laughs> fact, the Yucatan crater is the actual strike or something. Sure. Makes sense, right? Sure. Not at all. Fuck you. Okay. Though. Yeah, great, great, great. <laughs> but, dude, they go to dinner and obviously eat Italian food, right? Because <laughs> what else would two Italian plumbers from Brooklyn eat, right? Yeah. And they what rev- is the Italian food? Uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Meatballs. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, they reveal they reveal that the crystal on Daisy's neck is there and that she was the egg child, right? And somehow, with all this greaseball shit going on in this place, she's falling in love for with John Leganzamo in this scene, right? <clears throat> you know what, Paul? Speaking of food, this leads me to my sandwich beef oh, of the week. Oh, shit. I want to talk about meatballs, okay? <laughs> there are definite do's and don'ts when it comes to meatballs. And I want to talk about a restaurant that's going to inevitably piss off a lot of people that are in New York that might be listening to this podcast, okay? Uh-huh. Spoiler alert, this is probably going to piss you off. But I want to talk about Italy, okay? Italy is a fucking restaurant in southern Manhattan. And I'm going to talk about all of them. I think there's three locations in New York. They're like a tourist trap, right? You go in and there's like this whole oh, shop God, like God, Cracker God. Barrel where you like wander through and it's like all this Italian immigrant shit all over the place and there's like a deli counter and then as you walk through, you actually get to the restaurant and you can actually eat there. But anyway, so first off, 
they do nothing right. Italy, they don't do anything right. Their bread fucking sucks. Their sauce sucks. They're a fucking chain. But the thing that they fuck up the most is their meatballs, okay? They're like six inches around, dude. They're big fucking meatballs. They have a fucking cup of salt in them. That's all you can taste is the salt. They don't put breadcrumbs in their meatballs. So as you cut through it, it like starts falling apart really easily. It doesn't fucking stick together. So then you're eating like this like ground beef gumbo type shit with the fucking sauce all over it. Weird, weird. All right. And they're cooked until they are fucking gray. Okay. Meat shouldn't turn gray ever. Like it should be brown or like a little bit of red in there. But it should also be moist, okay? That's a big important thing about meatballs. They should be yeah. moist. Not dry and requiring me to literally load a fucking quart of <laughs> sauce on it every time I take a bite just so it can slide down my fucking gullet, okay? So I'm keeping this short this week because inevitably I'm going to piss off somebody by mentioning Italy. Go fuck yourself, Italy. You fucking suck dick eat a bag of dicks and stop peddling your wares as authentic new york italian to the fucking tourists in this city you're giving italian food a bad name in new york city anyway let's jump back to this movie wait, wait, but wait, wait. what i gotta say it's been a long time since I've had a meatball sub, but that can be really good, and I want one yeah. right now. Meatball God subs damn. are delicious, dude, especially yeah. if they, like, toast the cheese perfectly so it's, like, slightly crunchy on the outside. Oh, God. So good. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> their dig site right in this movie, their dig site where the meteorite is is right where Brooklyn Carousel is today, okay? Like, there's no place for a meteor in there, and if there was a <laughs> meteor that hit there... The East River wouldn't be a thing. It would be a lake. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be a fucking river. But besides the fact. Well, I mean, it was 65 million years ago. A lot, a lot dude, happened New York. New yeah. York. New York was under a fucking giant glacier at one time. Half the reason why New York exists is because the entirety of Manhattan is literally bedrock granite. Okay? So, like, when they put these giant buildings on this tiny little island, it can support that because it's granite <laughs> bedrock. And you go to this. This is a side note, by the way. If you go to Central Park and you see like the giant rocks that are in the middle of Central Park, and there's all these striation patterns in them, right? That's because there was mm. a giant glacier at one time that was sitting on fucking Manhattan, and as it was moving and being a metamorphic rock, which is what a glacier is, it actually caused striation patterns in the fucking bedrock of Manhattan. But besides the fact, I'm getting fucking <laughs> sidetracked. So. If if the Scapellis are trying to run or ruin the dig site, right, of the archaeologists for some reason, which I guess is because the construction site is shut down while they because dig. Because the mafia. Yeah. It's why Italians, why would they're bad people? Yeah, obviously because of this movie. But why would they wear their branded jumpsuits, dude? <laughs> like <laughs> Just in yeah. case. Just in case someone needs to identify them. But dude, there is a scarily bad performance by Bob in this movie. And I think that I can oh, yeah. attribute it to the fact that John and Bob have since gone on from this movie in their autobiographies to say that they were drunk for a majority <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> Just to make a like good thing of a bad situation. 
But Bob has this scarily bad line where he turns to fucking Luigi and he says, strap on your belt, kid. We're going in. And he like wanders in. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I got to say, I got to say, uh, side note here that you got to appreciate like a skilled and qualified plumber. Oh, who, dude. Like, they're amazing. It's down and like sticks their whole arm into yes. a drain and just yes. like pulls out a hunk of hair, fat, yeah. congealed fat, and probably like shit from your drain. You're just like, oh yeah, this is the problem this here. <laughs> you know, like you gotta appreciate that. I will. Right? I will never ever talk shit about plumbers. Okay, like plumbers yeah. are some of the most like qualified, skilled labor in the fucking country mm-hmm. in the fucking world for that matter. <laughs> the shit that they do may as well be fucking magic for all of them that I'm concerned of. Yeah, yeah. But like they're great, man. I love plumbers. Plumbers have saved me so many times in this yeah. house. It's fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> anyway, where where I, I know that you're not, like, hugely in tune with, like, the fucking geography of New York, Paul, but where is this giant underground system of rivers with hundreds of feet of drop-offs <laughs> underneath New York? That's what I want to know. Haven't you seen all the movies where there's just thousands of miles of old tunnel systems? Everywhere, yeah. And cracks in the rocks, and there's no water table or anything like that. It just goes down thousands of feet into the ground. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but, dude, there is terrible CG on the rock when Daisy is crying out and the brothers get sucked into the terrible green screen world. Like, just just a <laughs> reminder. Just a reminder, Paul. Jurassic yeah. Park was this same year. But somehow, this movie, which was made for the same budget as Jurassic Park, looks like this. I'm not exactly really? sure. Jurassic Park was only like a fifty, sixty million dollars. Fifty million dollars, yeah. God damn. God damn. <laughs> That's pretty Yeah, you would think that it was like so much bigger, but it was like it was like a risk though, is that Spielberg was like gonna do this fucking like dinosaur movie by a Michael Crichton novel and everybody was like, oh, I'm not really sure. And like Spielberg was a tried and true director, which is why he got it, but everybody was kind of like holding their breath to see what happened. And then it became like the biggest movie of all time at that time period. (laughs) So, but anyway, this brings us to enter two time Academy award nominee, Dennis Hopper. (laughs) His hair alone is a thing to behold. His wife's bad acting and her glitch moment, which never comes up again in the movie to keep them. Fuck that was about, I don't know, but to keep them info dumping on something that they've inevitably talked about ad nauseum to the point that they don't need to recap this shit for the non-existent audience. But that's a whole nother thing. But Luigi and Mario wander the streets and get jacked by an old lady, right? Only for some giant woman, Bertha, to throw the old lady <laughs> over the edge of the railing as a very stiff and very fake hunched over dummy lands in the back seat of some car. So it is the you, most obvious <laughs> fucking prop work ever. Have you played through like most of the, the early Mario games? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I grew up. So, with that where shit. does the the woman, the giant black woman? I have no fucking in? idea who that's from, supposed from to be. Games. I have I, uh, no idea. Trying to figure out if there's any inspiration in the games. No, most of the characters, a lot of the props. I mean, come from the game somewhere yeah. somehow. But yeah, yeah, I don't know where the big black woman with like I have the, no the idea feet comes in. I but, have no all right, idea. Cool. 
It doesn't matter. She is what what you call a plot device in order to give people a reason for the movie to continue going and, like, props for them to, like, continue on with the movie. Maybe jumping ahead, but why does she suddenly start helping them? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Because she thinks that Bob Hoskins is cute, maybe? All right. All right. But I don't even know. Treats her like a lady. I mean, that was a pretty sexy dance. Yeah, anyway. I, as he's <laughs> slobbering all over her chest trying to grab the fucking <laughs> crystal. I don't even know if I can do a hack attack this week, Paul, as literally this entire movie is Every put together scene. like shit. <laughs> <laughs> the utter chaos that this movie is makes my head hurt. It's just like nonstop oh, fucking God. chaos. But I want to see like the original director's intent, like R-rated movie that this was supposed to be was it supposed to be an r-rated movie? i don't know i mean it's supposed to be like a blade runner like cyberpunk strippers i mean you could see like they later later in the movie they go into this club and you could see there's like strippers in the club <laughs> but the, all the editing edits around all the strippers like doing the shit in the background <laughs> but you could tell there's like a lot more adult content in there but the editing Somewhere. kind of removes all that and kind yeah. of whitewashes it yeah it's too bad but I, I don't know. And then, yeah, all the weird, weird realism and shit. I feel like th- there could be an R-rated movie in here. And, I mean, Dennis <laughs> Hopper, I mean, fuck. He could have done anything <laughs> at any point. Uh, that would have been interesting, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen this movie as an R-rated version. Yeah, that would be yeah, be cool. there, is, there is actually supposedly an R-rated version of Home Alone floating around out there. <laughs> and it's... It's mostly due to Joe Pesci because Joe Pesci had just come off of uh, doing Goodfellas. Yeah. He was having having a really hard time remembering his lines, and he would have to use a partial take where he would use fuck somewhere in his line in order for him to remember a line. (laughs) And then he would do the more kid-friendly version of it Uh, that ended up in the movie. So I'm like, dude, I want to see all those pre-roll moments of Joe Pesci using fuck randomly in order to grab onto a line. <laughs> but anyway, dude, for, for being Brooklynites, these motherfuckers fall for a lot of dumb shit. And they end up in some really bad situations. Any self-respecting New Yorker wouldn't fall for any of the shit that they're falling into in this movie. <laughs> But some something you got to keep in mind about this movie, yeah. Paul, okay? Yeah, the yeah. guy who plays, or the guy who's supposed to be Toad, right? That they hook up with the blues singing guy with the right. spiral haircut who gets arrested and booked with them. The, the cut, exposition guy, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He cut his real hair into a spiral for this movie, meaning that after this movie wrapped, he had to see himself in that ugly fuck haircut for God knows <laughs> how long Unless he shaved it, and then he would have looked like a fucking skinhead. Poor bastard. (laughs) Poor bastard. Anyway, look at Dennis Hopper in the interrogation room and tell me that he doesn't remind you of a skinny Trump. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) All of that. I mean, that's all I see when I see, like, Cooper for president, President Trump everywhere. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think this, this, this whole movie was foretelling the future between this and back to the future part two (laughs) yeah yeah with uh biff biff 
as uh, yeah, President Biff. There. Oh my god, yeah. Koopa attacks Luigi and tries to gouge his eyeballs out, right? But Mario intervenes, and the attending cop shocks him with a taser. But this reminds me that not only did Bob Hoskins say that this is his most hated movie that he's ever made, including Son of the Mask, which is, again, the 10th worst movie of all time on IMDb, but that it was such a miserable filming experience that him and John would get drunk regularly while filming just to get through this shit, and that he was stabbed four times over the course of production, (laughs) electrocuted (laughs) twice, he broke his finger and his arm, and nearly round while filming this movie. <laughs> but anyway, he was he was supposed to be filming this movie for only seven weeks, Paul. Yeah. And but due to the constant rewrites, sometimes on the day that they were supposed to film, Hoskins was filming for twenty two weeks on this movie. Up God from damn. seven. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but dude, uh, Coop, yeah. Koopa Koopa takes them to the de-evolution chamber as we see Toad loaded into the de-evolver. And the machine just speaks just in case you can't read it. You know, like all the readouts <laughs> say. But, but then Koopa then Koopa begins info dumping to give the audience some sort of information, right? But as Toad comes out of the machine, his jacket has inexplicably grown five times and he's grown two feet taller, but his head <laughs> shrunk. Like, why? I mean, I know this is supposed to, like, de-evolve him into some sort of type of, like, fucking reptile or, like, a dinosaur, but his body didn't go into it, and his body, like, filled out the chair as he was going yeah. into the fucking thing. And he's supposed so to be he a came toadstool, out that big, too. I mean, what the fuck, I know, man? I know. God damn I know, it. I know. They fucked I know. it up. <laughs> But then it's revealed that they that they these dumb lizard creatures are called Goombas, right? Because that's not racist at all. <laughs> the dumbest creatures happen to have the name that is racist to Italian thugs, aka big hulking idiots, aka Goombas. I don't get that. That's like a big problem that I have with that fr- like phraseology. I know that that's yeah. what they're called in the game as well, but I'm like, dude, Goombas is a racist fucking term toward Italian Americans. But besides the fact. But they run around after sticking Koopa in the de-evolver and like his eye turns into like a fucking lizard or yeah, like a, a dinosaur it was, eye. It was way too easy for them to just stick him in there, by the way. I, I mean, I just, even like I just I my mouth was aghast for like how they blocked out that scene and how yeah. the action yeah. kind of unfolded. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> happened how did he end up in the chair yeah. how did they overpower the guards yeah how did they know how to operate the machine i mean this movie is filled <laughs> with bad blocking but well <laughs> but, the machine the machine's the easiest part of your question paul because it uh, tells you even with uh, words in case you can't read english what the yeah, fucking yeah. thing <laughs> is doing so <laughs> But, dude, they, they, they take over King Koopa and they ride a zip line down the cell block, right? Because in this world, apparently prisons need that. A yeah, zip line that runs the entire lines. length of the prison. And well, a lot of zip lines in the games. They had to just kind of put that in there because, sure. Wait, was zip lines in the game? I don't remember zip I mean, lines. there's like platforms that just mysteriously fly through the air. That's true, yeah. Jump on, so. Yeah, true. That was the closest real world analog to a loading <laughs> a platform. platform. Yeah. Right. 
But, dude, they end up in the garage and they find a police car to steal, right? But as they are trying to, like, talking about stealing the police car, another police car literally drives past them as they are in full view, but fails to <laughs> apprehend these two plumbers who obviously shouldn't be down in the police garage, right? But besides yeah. the fact, they start up the police car thanks to Luigi saying he spent all day at the cinema arcade and that's how he knows. Right. But Mar- Mario he knows pulls... how to play video games, so he so can obviously hack into he knows how to a, hack a car. Uh, police database. And, uh, right. It's fine. It's fine. But Mario pulls one lever back and pushes another one forward, right? Like perfectly putting the car in gear with no explanation as to how he knows how to do this. <laughs> like, was he a fighter pilot in NOM and that's how he knows what lever does what? But the car is shown to be powered like an electric trolley, right, at several points up until now, including insert shots showing the trolley pole hanging on the above electrical grid and, like, being powered by that. But once they clear the garage door, they are able to free drive with no problems. There's no electrical grid above them, but it's fine, evidently. But as Yeah, they... this, this movie just, it has rules, and then it throws they throw the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, dude, as they careen through the streets, a head-on collision yields them riding on top of another car, right? All while the inexplicable flamethrower guns of cops can't hit them despite (laughs) them being right next to their car, like pinning them in. And then when they slam on the brakes, now and only now do the flamethrower guns cause the two cop cars to explode in a giant flame ball viewed from several angles. So now they have killed at least two people in this movie. So now they're murderers. <laughs> but they careen through the tunnel. They're that just is, cops. It's fine. The, the cops matter. are evil because they have spiky shirts. Right. right? Yeah, that like yeah, weird so SNF It's, it's fine if they the die. <laughs> Perfectly yeah. acceptable. Because that weird shirts. S&M thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but dude... They careen through a tunnel that is unfinished and fungus saves their car from plummeting to their deaths, complete with awful bungee cord boings because this movie (laughs) needs to be a little more cartoony. Why does Yoshi in this movie look like a mini raptor? At best, this is a a glancing reference to the game as no one rides him as in the game. So this is a visual punchline more than anything. Like, even when he comes to help Daisy, he's not particularly useful. No, Yoshi does nothing for the whole movie, but it does look cool. I thought it was CG, but it turns out it was a puppet. Puppet, yeah, with 200 feet of cable on the inside of it. a half million dollar puppet. (laughs) And took four people to operate. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't do anything... I guess it looks cute, kind of. Yeah, that's what it is. Except it's actually a carnivore, and it would probably just rip your face off. Or <laughs> right. Tear out your inner thigh to get at that nice tender meat in there. But right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Koopa, Koopa goes in for the rape on Daisy, right? And there is a lot that is <laughs> offensive to the eyes here, but none more, none more than Koopa's tongue stretching out in front of her as he's talking to her <laughs> like the worst cg it's weird as shit but anyway so koopa tells wait, the Go- so wait, wait wait why does daisy matter at all like they're so interested in kidnapping her and stuff i mean the crystal is the key because the crystal bringing the crystal to the right. asteroid 
will join the two dimensions and therefore right. make King Koopa the king of both dimensions somehow. But what the fuck? Why do they give a shit about Daisy? Can you explain that? Because she has the crystal. But she doesn't. Yeah. Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, she knows like, where the crystal may be, you know, like for some fucking reason. I don't know. I guess she's a princess. Some um, bullshit. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, but they never profit on that in any way. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I guess they do have Koopa like trying to rape her in the middle of the movie, which is really fucked up for a child's movie. But besides yeah, that, PG movie, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so so Koopa Koopa tells the Goomba to take Daisy away and that he will need to use her later, as he does some creepy eyebrows. <laughs> is there any way not to interpret this as him threatening to rape her? Is there any way that you can take this as not rape? Maybe he's gonna eat her instead because he's a carnivore dinosaur guy. I mean, maybe, but I mean, I, I think that <laughs> I think that either one is pretty bad. But dis- <laughs> despite Koopa putting both his cousins in the Evolver and making them advance, right? They still can't drive a car, and they careen off of a cliff yeah. into a mud puddle immediately. And I mean, they're smart because he knows the square root of something. Yeah, and he right. knows a few words. <laughs> Power but dude, to the proletariat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're constantly talking about Marx. Yeah. They zoom through a really bad CG skyline of Dino Hatton, right? And there was no way to know this in 1993, but seeing the Twin Towers with the South Tower being mostly destroyed <laughs> is an unintentionally sobering image. It's hard to fucking see it. Even when they like merge the two worlds later and you see it again, it's like, oh, yeah. God. See, I think that's. That's, this movie is trying to tell us the future in that Donald Trump is trying to bring back dinosaurs as in fossil fuel and coal. <laughs> At the same time, it's foretelling the destruction of the Twin Towers. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to analyze this a little bit more to figure <laughs> out all, all that it's foretelling. But a time traveler the- wrote this movie, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but dude maybe maybe this could be considered the hack attack but when mario goes to the club and gets punched in the face by bertha and they pan left and tilt down to look for the knockdown mario right the camera operator suddenly tilts back up to see mario is standing this is obviously an error with the blocking for camera but they use this take like how is this the best one out of however many (laughs) takes that they did the other one's uh, Bob Hoskins was stumbling drunk and they just had to <laughs> roll with it, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It could be, actually. But, dude, mm. watching Bob Hoskins motorboating Bertha while deep-throating the crystal is the <laughs> stuff of nightmares. Like, that is not something I ever want to see again. But <laughs> As they make their getaway, Mario says, stop fiddling with the fungus and get out of here. Maybe if the writers had heeded the same advice, we wouldn't have been left with this movie. Stop fiddling with the fungus and just do your fucking job. <laughs> anyway, reimagining the world as KY dripping fungus is really <laughs> fucking gross. And it also drains the charm of the game completely from this movie. I don't know who came up yeah. with this idea, but... I'm- it's unfortunate that they didn't eat any mushrooms at any yeah. point in this movie. Yeah. So I feel like that should have been a big part of this movie. 
just yep. eating mushrooms. Yep. Getting yep. fucked up, dying, <laughs> being reborn. Just that could have been a whole thing that they could have saved in the cut if yeah. somebody just ate the mushroom. That this entire alternate world was actually just because they were eating mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, the scene where they jump in the elevator with the Goombas reminds me—you know where they're like dancing around and yeah. shit with the Goombas—reminds me of another shitty movie with bizarre peanut-headed creatures, Eraserhead. David Lynch could have directed this movie and it would have sucked even more if that's possible. But dude, do you think that John, do you think that John and Bob look back on them swaying the Goombas in the elevator and look back on this movie with pride? Cuz that's like <laughs> the darkest moment for me. When I'm like, "Oh my god, they're doing it. Oh my god." That that must have been really fucking sobering after the fact. Oh, like, god, wow, yeah. somebody somebody convinced me to do that Probably for a paycheck. Took- like two weeks to shoot that scene oh. because of all the animatronic heads just yeah. failing they were apparently up. like super heavy and were constantly falling off of the shoulders of the <laughs> actors in the suits which i didn't completely understand i'm like yeah they're like they have like some expression but they're like at best like rudimentary like animatronic sculptures that are fairly small like yeah how the fuck are these things so heavy and like uh, falling I mean, off his shoulders? It's like a whole like head and shoulders set mm. kind of sits on top, so it could get heavy eventually. I, I guess. I mean, the but, shoulders but, and like all the yeah. fucking animatronics inside of it could be pretty heavy. I guess. What but would dude, your what would your spirit animal be, Gabe, in this movie? If you had to choose, would you be a weird turtle face guy or a lizard face? <laughs> or a mini like chicken raptor like rat thing what what would hmm. you choose i or mean i'm not i'm not gonna lie the like lead goomba who toad was turned into i kind of like him for some reason yeah and i like yeah. dying because he's like disturbing to look at so i think i think i would choose that guy to be honest with you all right all right what, the what about you I don't know. I think I, there's the weird, like, skinny lizard head things that I, I kind of like those. I'd go with that because okay. uh, why if I, <laughs> if I if I was one, if I was that guy though the the Goomba with the harmonica I would constantly be playing uh, Charles Bronson's harmonica solo from uh, Once Upon a Time in the West every time I walked into the room. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty badass yeah, yeah that'd be badass but yeah. dude lena koopa's girl right his his wife or whatever tries to kill daisy only to have jo- yoshi grab her leg with his signature shooting tongue right but yoshi right. is seen with her foot in his mouth would he have eaten her if she didn't stab him and wrestle free like because that's a very different movie because he obviously can't <laughs> like, like he obviously can't <laughs> He I mean, obviously can't like swallow her. Thing. I mean, he would have, yeah, could have just swallowed her whole and then shatter out as an egg, <laughs> and that would be really cool and kind of fucked up. But but the, I, I would have eggs, the eggs that Yoshi shits out turn into other Yoshi's, right? I can't remember. No, they turn into the the giant gold coin, right? I don't remember what the I, eggs. Yeah, do. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> It's been so long since I played the game. Yeah, yeah. 
But anyway dude, anyway, dude, we cut to Mario and Luigi trying to jump over an impossibly deep hole, right? And Luigi jumps and seemingly thinks he is floating only to realize he is hooked by a random lifting hoist, right? So he almost kills his brother because he says, like, oh, jump, you know, you just got to trust it. If the fungus hadn't saved him, yet one thing still remains, right? What are they wandering around for in this fucking, like, facility? Like, the princess or the crystal... I still don't know where they are or what they are doing, and I've been They're watching intently watching this fucking thing. I don't remember this. Is, this happens when they decide that they're going to break into the Koopa Tower or whatever the fuck. I think so. And this is when they mess with the plumbing because they're plumbers. <laughs> and they turn and it off makes the it heat. freeze. Yeah. So they could have later on the slide scene where. Right. Apparently, a bunch of the actors nearly died up, falling yeah. off a fucking twenty-five foot drop. Some <laughs> shit. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. I at some. I don't remember exactly what point it happened in the movie, but I just lost track or just stopped caring about what was happening on the screen. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was just you, man. I think that's yeah. just the fatigue of watching this fucking thing. It's just a lot of chaos and noise. It's like visual noise. <laughs> it's visual noise, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Why are Brooklyn girls pro- are portrayed in this movie as being dumb as shit Italian women stereotypes? Like, does this work for anyone? Because it doesn't work for me. Like, they're constantly fucking, like, talking, and they have, like, the nails and the fucking hair and the weird... <laughs> fucking weird the 80s were a weird time by the way it bled over into the early 90s and it's like and this is the product this is the product of all that weirdness (laughs) is this fucking movie but dude the girl the girl in the blue jacket who angelica is her name apparently decides to wail on a goomba one last time as she turns and to run with the mattress right but as she does she lifts up her arm and her mic pack it's clipped into her bra is very fucking visible to camera. Oh, I missed it. Like, the red that. light looking directly at you and this big nice. black pack like sticking out. I was like, yeah, that shouldn't <laughs> be there. Whoops. Oh, blooper. Yeah. So when I watch terrible movies like this, I'm always thinking to myself, right? If someone walked in on me right now and saw the scene and the screen that I am watching, what could I say to absolve myself of wasting my life with these bad movies? <laughs> like, if someone walked in on me... If someone walked in on me at the moment that I was writing this note during the mattress ice luge scene, right? (laughs) I couldn't tell anyone not familiar with this movie what I was watching out of pure shame. We should just fucking kill ourselves, Gabe. Jesus, (laughs) what are we doing with our lives? (laughs) After what, like 30, 35 episodes of bad (laughs) movies? Yeah. But dude, Mario climbs up the side of a concrete dump bucket Koopa is in, right? But somehow Koopa can't see him sneaking up on him, despite that this is hung with a single <laughs> point, right? He would feel Mario hanging on the other side like a heavy weight on the side <laughs> the of a scale. Whole thing is rocking back and yeah. forth. Mario's but he doesn't weight. know. He doesn't He's know. Like, oh, I'm just gonna focus on staring directly forward. <laughs> And maybe he will come into my field of vision. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. No. Class. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, dude, Lena Lena falls dozens of feet and is electrocuted on a power grid, right? But her only She's injury fine. is is the Bride of Frankenstein haircut that she now has, apparently. <laughs> 
But Mario drops to the street and sees a speeding cab with a skeleton of a man embedded on his hood, right? Like Mad Max-esque. But despite the street Mario landed on being at least three car lengths wide, he chooses to run straight ahead rather than <laughs> perpendicular to avoid the cab. Don't know why exactly, but I digress. <laughs> but dude. Uh, I love that in pretty much every movie when they're on a hill yeah. and there's like a rock coming at them yeah. or there's a car, they have to run away from the object instead of just stepping three steps to the side right. and the avoiding only, it. The only, movie, the only movie that avoids this successfully is Raiders of the Lost Ark because yeah. like the only reason that he's running straight is because he's in a fucking tunnel, tunnel and he can't yeah. go to the right or the left. There's nowhere to go, yeah. <laughs> but dude... Koopa and Mario face off on a raised metal platform, right? And despite Mer Mario being on solid concrete and faking like he has the crystal and Koopa having a gun, he doesn't shoot Mario and take whatever is in his hand, right? Because even if he was shot him, he would at least drop the crystal on like the solid ground that Mario is standing on. If he was on the raised metal platform, I could understand him not shooting Mario because he might drop mm. the crystal through the platform. But... Why doesn't he just blast him in the face and take whatever's in his hand? Well, that wouldn't work for the plot because in the end of the movie, they're supposed to be the heroes that are successful. So if he shot him in the face and murdered him right there, <laughs> then the movie wouldn't happen. No more movie, yeah. But dude, you know what would be really great to see, Paul? What's that? Seeing the non-effects plate from the set of John Leguizamo <laughs> reacting to the force field around the meteor prior to them adding the blue lightning effects. Like him just stuck to it and being like, ah, like without the lightning. <laughs> Classic acting, John. Great fucking work, man. <laughs> <laughs> But, dude, Luigi yells at Daisy that he is going to drill out the crystal from the meteor, right? But when they cut to his hands for the insert, there is no drill bit. It's like a Phillips head screw, electric screwdriver tip. Yeah. Wait, so this is after the lady, the wife of Koopa or whatever. Is she a wife or... Lena, yeah, whatever she yeah. is. Concubine, she, she like... Matter plugs it in and then subsequently explodes <laughs> right and then splatters herself into the splatters. wall it, so is is the reason daisy's around so she could plug in the thing and not explode or is it yeah. just anyone that plugs it in will explode no but daisy is the girl that was gifted with the crystal and she's the daughter of the king so she's not gonna die i'm i'm confused by this is aspect. anyone who touches the crystal gonna explode and die or i mean john leganzamo didn't die so <clears throat> so why did the one lady explode and because die she's evil that's why they needed uh, to kill her that's okay. why i wasn't yeah i didn't get that called a plot device no, it makes, well, keep it up. makes more sense now gabe okay because <laughs> she's bad Okay, yeah. cool. But dude, they even worse after this moment, Luigi uses a wheel puller to try to pull the crystal out, right? But his <laughs> only force to leverage the puller is him holding the puller down and him screwing clockwise, thereby tightening or pushing the crystal further into the <laughs> meteor. But what do I know? I just, you know, I know a little thing about how screws work, you know? It's not uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> but... Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. I think you're reading too far into this movie <laughs> about a meteor hitting New York 65 million years ago, 
splitting into two dimensions where one everyone is human but they have vastly different ancestral like origins somehow they all converge to being humanoid shaped just with different right. makeup effect you know you got the human like mushroom guy the t-rex guy the lizard man the turtle man <laughs> all those right. people but yeah all right anyway doesn't moving. matter it's fine. But, dude, they cut to a wide of the Manhattan skyline only to see the Twin Towers merge into Koopa's Towers <laughs> and a completely destroyed South Tower. Again, not their fault, but sobering as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but Koopa, Koopa points the Devo gun at Mario and pulls the trigger, right? And Mario pulls out a mushroom and says, Tr- trust the fungus as the mushroom grows in size and kicks the Devo gun from Koopa's hand. Like, just, what the fuck is going on here? Is the developed mushroom just large and able to bounce Devo rays off of its cap? Like, what the fuck does this relate to into the game? Or this information that was brought up to us? message that is supposed to tell children to eat mushrooms from the ground. <laughs> it doesn't matter what drugs. mushrooms. It doesn't matter no. if they're poisonous. Just eat them anyway. Yeah. I mean, is it trying to say that there's nothing more devolved than mushrooms? That like the Devo gun isn't working on the mushroom? I I don't even remember that part. <laughs> the whole third act is kind of a, just a blend of random shit happening to me. Right. Yeah, I lost track of all of it. <laughs> Do you remember that the bubomb fell through the concrete earlier, right? Like it gets to the Yeah, end. yeah, and it spends I... like 20 minutes walking around yeah. to undercoop. Okay, I remember that part. So just because the story needed it, it somehow can walk upside down directly beneath koopa all while wearing now branded reeboks remember reeboks paul before nike got huge oh yeah yeah, yeah. that was the shit back in the day man and this would have been right around that time like this would have been right around that time like 93 this would have been like the third or the fourth championship for michael jordan like just before the jordans came out Kind of interesting. A little bit of history there. I guess <laughs> this is a historical document now, but <laughs> Luigi Luigi and Mario defeat Koopa with Devo guns from the Toad Goomba, right? And turn him into slime, presumably primordial ooze, right? But yeah. not 10 seconds later, the previous burning billboard of Koopa in the background is now no longer burning and is being painted over by some very enthusiastic painters with super long painters poles because <laughs> why not god damn they were they, walk, they were just work fast waiting for their world. chance man yeah, yeah just waiting for the chance they're like i this is my moment i knew i was carrying this fucking thing around all day for a reason it's fate but somehow this triggers the fungus that Daisy's dad is to turn back into his human form of Lance Henriksen, despite no one putting him back into the Evolver, which I don't fucking understand. Mm. Like, It's a Christmas miracle, Gabe. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. But dude, the, the laser beams as Daisy sends them back to Brooklyn look like the same ones animated into the Rocky Horror Picture Show from the fucking gun, ray, ray gun or whatever. <laughs> but this movie, this movie was $50 million more expensive than that movie and 20 years on. Like, what the fuck, shitty 90s effects, for real? <laughs> but they cut to a news station as the world as a whole just accepts what they saw as fact and attribute it to the Mario Brothers as being, as the reporter says, the title. I'd call them the Super Mario Brothers. 
they the game and the movie and and the movie that's that was real good (laughs) screenwriting there great screenwriting but daisy bursts through the door saying (laughs) i need your help right and some bullshit and all that noise that she was making and mario says i believe and we cut back to daisy in eight frame per second slow motion as she smiles and we quickly fade to black right what is he saying when he says i believe i don't fucking understand that line like what does he Mm, believe in i don't know there was nothing in this movie where they were calling beliefs into question future somehow (laughs) i guess they thought they believed that they were going to have a sequel yeah well, that's exactly it. I don't know how they thought that that was going to happen. But, <laughs> but hey, you know, Superman versus Batman got a sequel, so. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> but this brings up the title, big screen title, Super Mario Brothers. Roll credits oh. as we listen to some fucking awful song by Roxette. <laughs> I don't even know who Roxette is. Like, I know that they must have been some, like, 90s band during the time that had some big hit, and that's why they put them on yeah. the soundtrack, but, like... Well, the directors probably knew them from directing one of their music, music videos, videos or some obviously, shit. obviously, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. So, Paul, this movie, I, I would say, is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and I will probably never watch this again unless I am drunk... And my brother has it on in the background because my brother <laughs> likes terrible movies like this for some reason. But oh, this movie, it's just the classic case. Studios, stay the fuck out of people's projects. Stay the <laughs> fuck out of people's shit. Because this is what happens when a studio gets involved. So, Paul. Either don't give them the money in the first place <laughs> or just stay the fuck away from it once. I mean, what? This, Dr. Moreau, fucking Gigli, like, (laughs) oh my god, this is, this, this whole podcast is just a a fucking lesson. Studios, stay the fuck out of people's business, otherwise you get terrible (laughs) movies. So, Paul, talk to me about next week, man. What, what have you seen recently that has really grabbed your attention? What the fuck was I watching? I, I don't even know. I... I have been just kind of sitting on my ass, drooling down the side of my face, watching Big Mouth and a couple of other shows recently. Isn't this new Big Mouth season like fucking amazing, dude? Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't gotten that far. I've only I think uh, I'm only still in the second or third season. Oh my god, yeah. yeah so I'll, I'll I'll have to get there. Wait, are you watching then, the season with the Shame Wizard? Yeah, well, I think I just got past that part, but yeah, the Shame okay. Wizard. <laughs> so yeah. good, dude. It's yeah, it's fucked up as shit. <laughs> oh my god, such a great that, fucking it, TV that show. show brings up so much like teenage trauma to me. It, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> teenage years are hard, man. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> You think back on it as you're watching the show, and it's just like as as outlandish and fucked up as it is. It's like it's not it's not untruthful, like by any yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're just like um, jerking off at a sleepover right next to your best friend. <laughs> I've never done that. I've, I've never, never done, done that, that either. Thank God. <laughs> thank Christ. But you know, we do we do have a good it. friend. We do have a good friend that did masturbate back to back with his friend. I remember that. 
Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> he is too honest. Anyway. <laughs> so Paul, we brought up we brought up earlier, even though it's not on our list, the Ernest movies, right? Like Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah, shit, man. Those are <laughs> those are some classic. Ernest goes to jail. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen any of those movies in a long time. Neither have I. I haven't seen them since I don't they know. came we out. Should pick the best of them. As in the worst? <laughs> the, yeah. Well, I mean, there were movie, there were Ernest movies in theaters, you know, coming out every once in a while, and then they were like straight to video affairs. But right. pick the one with the biggest budget and do that shit. Ernest saves Christmas has a five point seven on IMDb. Oh, Ernest saves. I don't remember that. And made five times its budget back, apparently. And that's why <laughs> they kept making them, huh? All right. <laughs> Well, this uh, this follows a bunch of movies, actually. I guess Ernest Goes to Camp was the first one. Five point six out of ten with ten thousand votes. Twenty four on Metacritic. I don't remember that one. Twenty four on Metacritic, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember Ernest Goes to Jail and Ernest Scared Stupid, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Those are some good ones. We could, instead of revisiting the 90s, we could go to a different decade here, try a different... Well, dude, all these movies have above a 5.5. What the motherfuck? Mm. Oh, wait. Ernest Rides Again has a 5.0 out of 10 and a 28 on Metacritic. Ernest Goes to School has a 4.8 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Slam Dunk Ernest. Jesus Christ, I didn't even see this one. A basketball-themed Ernest J. Yeah, 4.7 out of 10 with with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing the archangel of basketball. Oh, oh Ernest God. Goes to Africa. That one I remember being offensive. I did see that. Uh, I haven't seen that one, yeah. 4.6 out of 10. that was a straight-to-video one. That was a straight to video one, but then there was Ernest in the Army, which was a movie, which was a movie that made it to theaters and has a four point seven out of ten. God damn, there's way too many of that. <laughs> Jesus, we'll 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 have to hit up Ernest at some point. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to go straight to Ernest from this movie. It's too much. Can we find a movie with some redeeming qualities? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about we could talk about Waterworld, but then we're right back with Dennis Hopper, and we're in the '90s again. Yeah, yeah, it feels like his movie straight after this almost. But, uh, yeah, pretty much. Maybe we could skip forward and do something out of a recent uh, era. Passengers, I you know I haven't even watched that movie yet, but <laughs> you tend it's to shit bad. on it a lot. <laughs> it's pretty bad, so, dude. So I could but- do that. Before you watch Passengers, though, I want you to read the script for Passengers, right? Like the oh, movie okay. that it was supposed to be. It's the like real... it's like okay. it's like ninety three pages. It's a quick read. It's like it's one of the best scripts that I've read. It's super tight and super atmospheric, yeah. and like just two people on a fucking like abandoned ship in the middle of nowhere, and it's good shit. The yeah. last the last eight pages of it turns it into this Hollywood bullshit, but. It turned out nothing like the movie that I saw, <laughs> and like yeah. Jennifer Jennifer uh, Lawrence has said on record that, you know, like the sex scene in that movie, she felt very uncomfortable shooting, and she did not feel safe making it. But that's a whole nother thing. Oh man, could always look at Alexander. There's that Alexander. Oh Jesus. 
I watched the director's cut at some point. Did you? It didn't make it better. <laughs> it did not make it better. <laughs> or Judge Dredd. Ju- oh, I love that Demo- movie. What about Demolition Man, dude? Oh, Demo. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was thinking Demolition Man. I love that movie. Judge <laughs> Dredd is a horrendous <laughs> piece of shit. It's, I, you know, I'd like to do one of those movies, but I want to, I want to get away from the mid nineties for at least one episode. <laughs> yeah. There's so many bad movies in the mid nineties. Yeah. What was it about the mid nineties that made, there's just way too much money available and they just didn't give a fuck. Is that where, how did it get so bad? Bush senior. Bush senior. <laughs> Yeah. What about Friday the 13th, the final chapter, going back to a schlocky horror flick? I could do that. I could do that. I haven't seen a horror movie in a while. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. That's When is Friday that's the 13th. 80s? Yeah, it's 84, dude. All right. Throw it back, motherfucker. Yeah, that sounds classy right dude, there. All the Jason movies suck dick, though. Like, all <laughs> of them are terrible. <laughs> Or, wait, if we want to do horror movies, we could talk about the final chapter, or we could talk about Jason X, bro. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. I think we should watch them back-to-back and see, pick the worst one. Or do a between, double feature or something. Between the final know. chapter yeah, and yeah. Jason X. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Thank you guys once again for listening. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. If you guys have recommendations, I always throw it out there. You know, Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you've seen recently that you hated. You cannot go toward my unimpeachable movies list. If you do, <laughs> I will come for you, motherfucker. Phrasing. Oh, you did it. But thanks again, guys, for joining us. Once again, this is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. I'm Paul Schindel. Thank you, guys. Have a good night.